podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are previewing the Kansas-West Virginia matchup. Kansas had a squeaker, uh, was able to beat Texas Tech on the road. They are now having their season opener, I'm sorry, the conference season home opener uh, here up against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, to help me do that preview, we have coming back to the podcast, uh, Andy Facemeyer from uh, Smoke, the Smoky Musket. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely different talking to people and talking to the same people that I talked to for football because I can tell you right now, my mood coming into these previews is much, much different when I'm talking basketball instead of football. I, I, I can't imagine why that is, but for some reason it just is. <laughs> Could not imagine why. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. So, all right, let's go ahead and get started because – you know, we have we didn't have anywhere near as much uh, preseason that we're used to having, or I guess non-conference season that we're used to having to really get an idea of what these teams are before conference play starts. So, uh, I don't normally do it this much, but coming into this year, I really wanted to make sure, you know, that I was getting previews with the opponent, with pe- people that follow the opponents, as opposed to just me and my my normal basketball coach and fetch. Um, you know just going through what we see and kind of our thoughts, because I'm going to tell you right now, I haven't seen nearly as much of West Virginia as I normally would have by this point in the year. So um, looking at this West Virginia team, like they had a whole bunch coming back from last year, but what were the expectations for this team? Like what were you guys really expecting to see from them? I think the expectations were really high. I think, um, you know, a lot of us thought, depending on how the the tournament draw would have gone last year, that we could have gone pretty deep. Um, and so we have you know, virtually that entire team back with more you know experience. And so I think the expectations coming into this season were sweet 16, elite eight, you know, that that was the, that that was the goal com- a t- challenge for a conference title. Um, so I think that was sort of the, the goal of where we were, where we thought we needed to be and where we, you know, hope to be. So I think, you know, pretty, pretty high expectations for this team. Um, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's kind of the, the nature of this wide open big 12 conference this year. I mean, honestly, like there's five teams that I think a lot of people were expecting we're going to contend in some fashion for the big 12 title this year. Um, you know, and like, if you looked at like Bark Torvik, uh, like Bart Torbick and, and Ken Pomeroy, you know, the two main sources, I think, for for kind of those advanced stats, uh, kind of predictive measures. And well, Ken Palm had you guys, I believe it was like 11 preseason. Bart Torbick actually had you guys two right behind Texas. So um, it was it was definitely interesting to kind of see where everybody has these different teams and kind of the, the differences there. But like, do, do you think that this is one of those teams that should be contending like quite easily for a final four this year? Or do you think maybe that's shooting a little bit too high given, given kind of what's happened with the West Virginia program? I think some of it depends on, on as always where we get seated. There are some teams that just cause ups and matchup problems for the style of basketball that we play. Um, And so there are just teams that I feel like if we got put in a bracket with them, would cause us some some trouble um but i think this is a team that if they continue to progress and continue to play 
you know, do what they need to do, I think that this is a team that could be in the final four. Um, I think this is probably the best team that we've had uh, since 2010. I, I think without a doubt, this is probably the best team that we've had since that, uh, since that final four run. So, yeah, which is kind of lofty, but um, Agreed. I think we've had some good teams the last few years. Well, not the last two years, but you know what I mean. Um, well, last year's team was was really really yeah, good. Yeah, they last came year's on. Team was solid. They weren't, say, they, weren't a, they, they weren't a final four team by any stretch of but the imagination. They definitely were getting better as you were getting closer and closer to the NCAA tournament. And so, like, yeah. kind of like you said, like, I wouldn't have been surprised if they had made an Elite Eight last year just because of how well they were playing. And Oscar Shibwe, you know, was really coming on strong and kind of being a dominating force down low. And Culver, you know, I mean, like, they had a lot of pieces that were all coming together at the right time. And it was just a matter of how far can they actually go. Um, and, of course, then we didn't even get to see a tournament. So it's devastated by that as, as i'm sure you can imagine um but you know it's one of those things like coming into this year because i think there's a lot of expectations and i expected them to do quite a bit this year the one thing that kind of jumps out to me though is that they, they seem to have guys that well what one guy who i think has taken a huge step forward in Derek culver um and then oscar shibwe seems to have kind of taken a step back i will admit i haven't really seen too much from your from you know from the team and uh, it's kind of hit me that they're they're not really playing the kind of like every time I think I have this West Virginia team figured out um, and really the program and the way that Bob Huggins wants to play, it seems like they do something completely different. And I don't know if that's personnel that's causing that to be different, or if maybe I just don't know Bob Huggins basketball as well as I thought I did. What is it that's driving this team and, and kind of like, who are the guys that are either stepping up or kind of a disappointment so far this year? Well, I think that's fair. A, a lot of those, those things are fair. I think the, the, um, I'd say I think Derek has really, really made a big improvement. I think Oscar, uh, I think Oscar has maybe, I don't know if he's taken a step back so much as just not moved forward completely yet. Um, I think not having, he did not have like any kind of a summer at all. Um, and with the kind of weird COVIDiness of, of this, I think he's been one of those people who really, really would have benefited, you know, if we've been able to have a, a more regular off season. Um, but I think, I think one of the things people don't realize about Bob Huggins is that while he is extraordinarily stubborn about certain things, he's also really pragmatic about the way in which he, he will put together a team and, and find ways for his teams to win basketball games. Um, you know, when he first came to WVU, you know, uh, when uh, 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 John Beeline had, had been here, he really, you know, Beeline's style is like, night and day different from what Bob Huggins wants to do, you know? And he still took some of those things that Bob Huggins was, or that, that Beeline was doing and made them work into his system. And so he's done a little bit of that this year. I mean, even the press, like becoming press Virginia was really just about, well, here's what we've got. And this is the only way that we're going to win. So this is what we're going to do. Um, and so this year's team, we do a little bit of everything. We do a little, we will, we won't, you won't see a lot of full court press. You're not going to see that 94 feet as much, but we do a lot of three quarter pressing. Um, and I think the thing that really makes this team work is they just really, really work hard. Uh, the Iowa state game was the worst. I think we've played maybe all season other than maybe the Western Kentucky game. And we found a way to win. Like we didn't score the last eight minutes. We scored one field goal, the last eight minutes uh, against Iowa state and we won by five. 
and we did that because we got to the we got to the line and we made our foul shots which when was the last time you imagined a west virginia team winning at the foul line right yeah exactly Um, like that's just like not our has not been our identity we we would probably have at least a conference title if we had been a team that made foul shots. Uh, I was I saying, like we I, might I'm, have I'm, won a game in the Fogue by now. I, I was um, saying, I'm, I'm well aware of at least two games that uh, if West Virginia had made their foul shots, then they probably would have won. And, you know, I, I believe West Virginia fans are not happy with most Kansas fans because we like to hold that over your head all the time. So, uh huh. Um, <laughs> the, the interesting thing to me is the game that I look, I look at a couple games uh, to kind of think about who this West Virginia team is. We have played Gonzaga better than anybody has. Like, nobody yeah. has touched Gonzaga all season. And we should have won that game or could have won that game. Like, we're the only team, I think, that has played Gonzaga remotely well. But, like, the fact that we were able to to not play well against Iowa State, not play well against Western Kentucky, who Western Kentucky was a team that I was, like, terrified of playing, Um it really says a lot to me about who this team is and the fact that they can win ugly at times. I mean, that's that's the ultimate identity of who West Virginia is, is we're just going to make the game as ugly as humanly possible and just yeah brawl with you over it, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting because, you know, we already saw one really ugly game with Kansas versus Texas Tech. Um, this has all the makings of another really ugly game. I mean, I'm just looking at, at kind of the comparisons here. Um, I will get, we will get into that shortly because I do want to talk about the specific game, but first I kind of want to just, there, there was a couple other things about this team's profile that I was kind of curious about because, you know, I'm looking at what they do here and like the fact that they are, I, I there's really no other way to put it. They are a very poor shooting team. Um, and with the size that they have on the inside, like I would not expect them to be shooting only 45% from two. <laughs> And and well, like that's the weird thing is like yeah. how many game how many times like we have a we're a really good offensive rebounding team because we miss a lot of close shots <laughs> like that's that's a big Fair. part. <laughs> um, I think that that one of the things that I've seen the last really since um, the the loss to Gonzaga in a lot of ways when you look at the North Texas game you look at what we you know how we dismantled Richmond um, and you you even. A lot of it happened more against Iowa State. One of the things that really threw people off, you know, it's really bothered Mountaineer fans for the last several years is we don't dunk the ball. We have started dunking the ball and we've started making more of those two point baskets. There was a lot less of that, I think, against Iowa State of just missing you know, right at the rim. So I think that that's an area where we've we've made an adjustment. Uh, But to your point, we're not a good shooting team. If we can hit shots, if we can get perimeter shots like we did against, um, like we did against like Richmond, and for part of the game against Gonzaga, we can beat anyone in the country. So, yeah, it's just really weird. I mean, seeing the guys that they have on the inside, because I'm also looking at the page here, you know, and looking at who you have, and um, you know, I mean, Culver is six ten. Um, you have Cottrell that's six ten. You have. Uh, Shibwe, who is you know six nine, you've got some height there, especially on your guys on the inside. It's just weird to see that they're not very. I mean, there's no really other way to put it. They just don't seem to be very good inside in terms of scoring. Um, like, I mean, even even Culver, who is you know like right now, Ken Palm has him as number seven in the Ken Palm Player of the Year standings. He's only shooting forty eight percent 
from inside and a big guy, you know, a dominant big guy who's playing as well as he is, you would expect that to be up in the, you know, the 60%, somewhere in that range. And they're just not shooting well. Now, granted, like you said, offensive rebounds seems to be, you know, really kind of drives them. They are 13th in the nation in offensive rebounds, which, you know, if you're going to miss them, but get a whole bunch of extra shots, that's going to help out. Um, you know, the other thing I've noticed really well as well here is that they don't seem to turn the ball over too much. Um, but when they do turn the ball over, it's because teams have stolen it from them, which is a kind of a weird dichotomy there. I think, um, you know, <laughs> seems like we're a little they're lazy very good with about, the ball sometimes. Um, well, it, it seems like they're the only times they're lazy with the ball is when they put it in harm's way for someone else to pick it, as opposed to like throwing it away or, mm-hmm. you know, just like really bad passes or things like that. Like, so it, it's, it's really strange. You would think a team that is lazy with the ball like that is going to have unforced errors as opposed to the opponent always being able to just take it away from them. So I don't know. I, we'll see how long that that trend actually kind of goes there. But um, what about defensively? Because this team is the number nine ranked defense uh, in the nation, according to Ken Palm. Uh, you know, but it looks like they give up a ton of offensive rebounds as well. So just as, as good as they are on the offensive glass, it sound it seems like they're pretty bad on the defensive glass. I think that's been an area where they need to improve. Um, we haven't been as aggressive on the defensive boards. Uh, and so I think that's probably an area where, and part of that has been Shibway struggling a little bit. Um, you know, he's had some games where he's been out for long periods of time, and that has also sort of contributed to why he hasn't looked you know, those first three games in, in the games we played out in South Dakota, uh, I think at least two of those three games, he was out, you know, long stretches in the first half. I think, too, some of it is how people are playing against us and how the teams are are breaking down our defense at times. If you want to look at, like, I, I think one of the ways that, that um, both Western Kentucky and Iowa State were able to do a lot of damage to us, was spreading us out, and that makes us a lot more vulnerable because we help so hard on defense. We do a lot of help side defense, which also hurts us on the, the defensive boards because people end up out of position Yeah, when they overhelp. Um, so I think that's... I would say if there's a weakness to our defense, it's that we're not as good on the boards as we normally are. And so I, I'm... I'm relatively certain that that's something Hugs has been working on, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. Yeah, I mean that that, that definitely seems fair. I am kind of curious though, in terms of the, the the rebounding issue, especially, what kind of players are giving them problems down low? Like, is it other big guys that are kind of bullying the ones that are down there, or is it quick guys that are getting in and kind of stealing rebounds where you wouldn't necessarily expect it? I think it's 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 a little bit of it's it's it really depends. I don't think we've had trouble with any big guys this season. I think we've pretty much, you know, even you know in the Gonzaga game, and they have one of the best bigs in the country. I think we we handled that situation pretty well. It's really the guard. It's really the, those stretch guards, um, you know, who are able to take people off the dribble and really, you know if they miss get their own rebound or people getting long shots. I think that some of it too is people uh, taking long threes and getting those rebounds and uh, us not being able to quite scoop those up. Okay. Cause well, I'd, have uh, to, I'd have to actually like, I, it's an interesting question. And now I kind of want to take a look and see <laughs> I've watched, I think all of our basketball games this year. Um, 
except for the first half, the second half of the Gonzaga game, because I, I knew what was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure if I looked at it, most of our rebounds are coming, or most of the defensive rebounds that people are getting aren't coming in the paint. I think they're coming a little bit further out. And so that kind of, that that would be my guess. No, that that makes sense. And I, I am kind of curious, though, because like Kansas specifically, a guy like Jalen Wilson is one of their leading rebounders, especially when he's playing, you know, the four and five. Um, McCormick is not doing very well. And he's, you know, the prototypical big guy that you would expect to be kind of bullying down there. And he hasn't been playing very well. So it'll be interesting to see, especially how Culver and Sheboy match up against a guy like Jalen Wilson, um, who is going to play a lot of low, um, you know, or guys like Ty and Grant Foster or other Kansas players. So we'll actually talk about what, what you kind of think is going to happen down there in just a little bit. Uh, but I did have one more kind of question about this West Virginia team and kind of how they handle it because, you know, there's been a lot of you know pub for the guys down low and there was a lot of expectations there in terms of the guards though like that was kind of the one weakness that i think a lot of people were expecting this this west virginia team to have so what has the guard play been like um you know as far as i can tell it seems like your point guard is a now is, is your main point guard miles mcbride yeah right, miles Actually, is kind of like, like the only has, point guard wrestled that away well we've got some we have some guys who can play point guard and you've got um You've got uh, oh god, my brain just like froze. It's like um, <laughs> there's a reason for that. I'll, I'll mention that in a second. But um, you know, I think Miles McBride has really taken over the the reins, and he's been fantastic. Um, he is. He's like uh, a little bit. Uh, he does a little bit of everything. He reminds you a lot of um, of J- of Javon. Um, so he he looks a lot like JC, and he can definitely do the. The things that JC does. Jordan McCabe is this guy who has a lot of talent, but he just makes dumb decisions sometimes or, or is good for one really baffling turnover a, a time he's in. And so uh, McBride has really, you know, taken over that role. But you've got Jordan can come in and can play that role. Um, you know, I think Emmett and Taz can both handle the ball up the floor, but you want the ball in Miles McBride's hands. I mean, he's leading the team in minutes, points, assists you know steals. so, so when you're talking about about west virginia kind of getting lazy with the ball has, has that been mostly on the guards or is that like on entry passes or, or what you know i i'm actually kind of looking because i was curious and if the guards do lead the team in turnovers but number two is actually Derek culver and it happens but he to has gabe, the ball that much it happens, though <laughs> it happens to gabe and it happens to oscar sometimes too is they will get caught in a bad position and they'll have the ball in a place like they're big guys and they're not in a place where a big guy should be holding on to the ball. <laughs> like that's, I think or, that's. Yeah. Or, or like David McCormick does all the time, tries to put the ball on the floor when he's just outside the restricted arc with three people surrounding him and puts the ball right where everybody can poke it away. Yeah. That happens. I think a lot. I think Derek does that a lot. I think Oscar does it. Gabe doesn't do it as much just because he's not, uh, you know, he's not as big on the ball handling. We haven't really got to see Isaiah Cottrell as much uh, in those kind of situations, um, but he's had a few, you know, weird turnovers. So I think, you know, when we turn the ball over, it's 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 kind of there. I, I think the point guards have been pretty good. I think, um, you know, I think Miles has just been, I can't say enough about Deuce. Like he just, every game he impresses me. He's finally that guy that we've needed who can just who will just take someone off the dribble and go to the basket. Um we've Makes really sense. been lacking that the last couple of years. 
All right. So I do want to go ahead and turn to the game and kind of see what you think about how West Virginia is going to handle some different things that Kansas might throw at them and kind of vice versa. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock and Chalk podcast. And we're back. All right. So we've talked a little bit about what West Virginia does. Uh, now I kind of want to take a look at the game itself because again, this is going to, this, you know, this has all the makings of another ugly game. Kansas just got done playing one with Texas tech. And honestly, Kansas seems to make every game ugly this year, at least so far. But you know, we have Kansas, seventh ranked defense against West Virginia's 17th ranked offense. And then Kansas's 24th ranked offense against West Virginia's ninth ranked defense. So it's going to be, I think a very tightly contested game. Um, and it's weird because like I'm looking at these two teams on Ken Palm and it almost looks like there's like a mirror <laughs> and we're looking at the same team like twice because both of these teams are really bad at shooting the two. And it sounds like they have very similar issues where, you know, the big guys are missing a bunch down low, but are able to get a decent amount of offensive rebounds, you know, to make it so that they're, they're doing fairly well. Um, you know, Kansas, it, Kansas seems to be shooting better from three, actually significantly better from three than, than West Virginia, but West Virginia gets more opportunities. It seems like is doing better about not turning the ball over as much. Um, but it's not a gigantic difference. And then on defense, it's, just, it's a similar sort of thing. They're both fairly strong against three-point shooting. Uh, you know, they both don't really send their opponents to the line a whole bunch. Um, like, it's just like, I'm looking at this and I'm just, it's kind of weird. It's kind of hard to figure out what this game is going to be. So is there anything that jumps out to you, though, in terms of, uh, I guess, overall scheme um, when you're looking at this game that really worries you? Not not individual players specifically, but like the overall, like the way Kansas plays or the way that West Virginia plays. I mean, Kansas is always one of those teams. I, I Drives me insane, but, you know. I get that a lot. Give them, <laughs> give, you know, give them their due. You know, they always find a way to, to, to win games that they probably shouldn't can talk about how they do that but you know they they always find ways and it's because of you know the coaching and how they're set up and so I worry a lot about uh you know the person who I worry about and I know that he's you know maybe not had the season that he's usually had but he always seems to have a a pretty good game you know uh, uh, against us over the years is Marcus Garrett um I think what he's his size and his length you know, more than the scheme, because I don't, I, and the thing about Kansas is they're hard, I think they're hard to get a feel for what their scheme is, and I think that's because they, they match up against people, and they will try and take that away from them, um, and so I think, but their ability to sort of move the ball, um, their athleticism, I think that always worries me anytime we play Kansas, um, you know, I think the fact that they were able to win a tight game against Texas Tech on the road, does not bode well for us because I think Texas Tech and us are similar in a lot of ways. They're a way better shooting team than we are. Um, they're yeah, but you're also a much taller team. team. But we're we're taller and lankier, and and that lets us do some things that that Texas Tech can't, particularly right. this year. I think. Um, but yeah, so I think for me, looking at Kansas, I just worry about you know what they're uh, who's going to be there. They, it seems every time we play them. Every time we play you guys, someone has like a career night. <laughs> like, it's funny because Kansas fans say that all the time about pretty much every other team. That it seems like there's always some random guy who has a career night from three to keep them in games or, you know, get, get really close to pulling off an upset or things like that. And so I know that feeling really well. Um, I do agree with you, though. Kansas has the innate ability to be able to find a guy that is going to be 
you know, a star in, in any different game. And, you know, we've already seen that quite a bit for Kansas this year and Jalen Wilson breaking out, you know, he's probably the, the second best freshman, you know, nationally right now behind, behind uh Kate Cunningham for Oklahoma state. Like if you're looking just at freshmen and how well they've played nationally, the big 12 has two of the best. And it's just, it's been really strange to kind of see that, but I also kind of understand how frustrating that can be because again, it seems like every <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's a running joke for us over on Rock Chalk Talk because it seems like every single game there's a random white guy who has a career night from three to, to keep them in a game or to, you know, make us kind of wonder about what's going to happen in that particular game. So um, so you mentioned Marcus Garrett, you know, and and I think one of the most difficult things about Marcus Garrett is that he is so versatile defensively mm-hmm. that it's hard to really plan for a way to, you know, run your offense around him because he gets moved around to a bunch of different guys. He goes and does a a bunch of different things. He's the only guy that I actually, in the last 10 years at Kansas, have actually been able to confidently say and mean it that he can guard all five positions on the floor because he's done it. Um, You know, he's done it a few times on the five as well. So I I guess what I'm most curious about here is which which spot or where is Marcus Garrett going to be deployed in this game? And, and who do you think it's most likely that they're going to try to use him to take out of what they try to do offensively for West Virginia? Yeah, that's what I'm really curious to. And I think some of it will be matchup dependent. I think if, if uh, I, I could see him being on, you know, while I think he's your best defender, I don't think you put Miles, him on Miles McBride. Um, and I don't think we put him on, Miles on the yeah. other side either. Um, I think probably he'll get the assignment of uh, either Taz or Emmett. Um, both because they're both a little rangy. They can both take you off the dribble, but they're also more than happy to take a jump shot, take a three. And so I think Marcus Garrett could be really important against that matchup. I'm really curious to see on the other side of that coin, who who on Kansas did we put Miles McBride on? Because uh, at the end of the game, when we what, what won us the game, I think, against uh, Iowa State was we were just getting absolutely like, torched by um by iowa state's point guard uh what is his, his i name? forget his name as well <laughs> but he was he was just absolutely torching us um no one could stop him no one could get in front of him and it was really just a switch to put miles mcbride on him uh and and that made all the difference in the world and so Rasir bolton i think is who you're talking yeah, about bolton. yeah Rasir bolton and yeah. so it was really just about us switching and putting uh putting uh, you know mcbride because deuce is really like i said he just reminds me of jc only i think he's i think his ceiling is a little higher than jc's um because i think he's a better jump shooter than jc was at the same point in his career i think he's going to have to work to become the same defender that jc was um so yeah yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting too because you you talk about who they're going to put mcbride on um it seems like he is going to try to shut down whoever Kansas's best three-point threat is on a particular night. The problem with that is that it could, you know, it rotates quite often between Ochai Christian Brown, um, you know, even in some cases, Jalen Wilson will step out and make a bunch and Marcus Garrett can hit some too. So like they've got a lot of guys that can actually hit threes. I mean, all, all four of those guys that I just talked about are above, are above 30% shooting significant numbers. Um, uh, let's see, because yeah, Bryce Thompson shooting, I'm sorry, Bryce Thompson is the guy that I even mentioned, and I, I didn't even actually include him. Um, 
Ochai Baji's hitting almost 45%. Christian Brown's hitting 38%. Marcus Garrett is the lowest at 31%. And Jalen Wilson's hitting 33%. So, like, they have a lot of guys that can shoot the three. Uh, they just need to actually step up and decide to take them. And the question is going to be, like, I think the, the one that intrigued me the most is going to be Jalen Wilson, is where are they going to use him the most? Because this is a game where I see a guy like David McCormick struggling. He's been He struggled with big guys, guys that are, you know, either just as big as him or bigger um, that are physical down low and both Sheway and Culver really fit that bill. And so I'm curious to see what he's going to be able to do um, against them. If he can get going and stay going, then it's going to be difficult. I think for West Virginia to really match up just because if he's actually doing what he's supposed to be doing, it opens so much stuff up because people have to crash down to help against him. Um, I just don't know that he's going to be able to do that consistently enough, which means that we're going to have to rely more on slashing, you know, getting a bunch of guys to kind of drive in there to open up the spacing. And, you know, and that's my other worry with McCormick is that when he's in, it really hurts the offensive spacing for, for, for Kansas. So I'll, I'll definitely kind of be curious to see how well Culver and um, Shibway can actually prevent what McCormick wants to do, because in some ways, I actually think that when McCormick's in, it limits what Kansas can do option wise. And so if, if he can be just good enough, that Bill Self wants to keep him in, but not good enough that he's, you know, like running over guys down low. Um, that's probably actually the best way for West Virginia to attack this. See, so you you, you kind of want McCormick to be good, but not too good. Um, and it's kind of a fine line there. What I'm afraid of, though, if I'm a West Virginia fan, I think, is that McCormick is going to be bad enough, early enough, that they're going to get that five-guard lineup in there for a, for a large number of minutes, especially in the first half, which – I'm not sure how well Culver and Sheway can keep up if it's Kansas playing five guards. Uh, I think that. if I think if that were the case, we'd switch to to just we'd probably just keep one of them on the. Well, no, field. true, true. Switch to one of them, and the guy who doesn't get enough attention from West Virginia, and it's I think it's mostly because he's a defensive specialist. Is Gabe Oshaboy and uh, Gabe, who play, he's a transfer from Arkansas, really came on last year and really impressed me. Um, in in limited kind of limited minutes but you know when he 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 just brings that spark off the bench defensively and he can guard anyone at any position and he he will just you know dive he if like you imagined a, a bench player for bob huggins this is the the sort of mindset that gabe has so i think i wouldn't be as worried about that i think my worry about you going small like that is your ability to kind of then take us off the dribble and and, and dive right um, so I think it's going to be a tight game. I think, you know, to me, again, a lot of it depends on what, how we play. Um, so, That's fair. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think you're going to see, like I said, I think you're going to see McBride probably uh, on whoever is ball handling, you know, whoever at that point has that. And I think it's pretty, con- I think it's, I think you guys all stick with one guy handling the ball pretty much even though you have a lot of dudes who can handle the ball. So I think that that'll kind of be the thing. I'm curious to see how much three-quarter press that we run because Kansas is a team who's athletic enough that they can theoretically break that press. Yeah. You know, but uh, like you said, they've been a lot slow. I think from what I have, what little I have seen of Kansas this year, I haven't seen as much of Kansas either. Um, you guys seem to be playing a little slower this year than, than, would be normal for a Kansas basketball team. Yeah, and and that's fair. And I think a lot of that has to do just with the fact that, you know, Kansas is still trying to figure out what it is they want to do, not having that non-conference to really get guys going and solidify the lineup. 
And also just the fact that, you know, McCormick, the only true big guy that they have on the roster that really kind of fits that role hasn't been playing very well. And they're really kind of forcing it still at this point. I mean, if they can get him going, that's going to be, you know, that that's going to be the best kind of way that you can have a Kansas team going. Not that they would exclusively play one big man with four guards surrounding him, but more that having the ability to try to change pace and throw a bunch of different looks out at a team to have, you know, one big guy with four guards around or even occasionally throwing McCormick and Lightfoot into the game at the same time. Like they have a lot of different options that they could potentially do if they, if they can get all those guys going. But right now the only lineup that's been very consistent is that five guard lineup. Um, and so like, I definitely understand that Bill is going to continue to try to get that going. I also think that's going to be the reason you're going to see some very frustrating Kansas games um, because I think every Kansas game is going to be ugly because they're going to continue to work on things and do everything they can to try to set themselves up for later in the year. But so for this particular game before, I do want to talk just a little bit about the big 12 as a whole, but before we do that, I did want to ask, how do you see this game actually going? Who do you think is going to win this game? And who do you think is going to be the key player in this game? Well, I, I will never, I, I, I hate to pick against Kansas at home. I, you know, even without you guys that don't have fans in this, in, in the folk, right? I, I, I we, we have a them. little bit of fans in the fog. It's okay. more just families. So uh, even, no, you know, I'm even, sorry, I'm sorry. I, I think the limit is like, uh, like 1200 people and it normally seats a whole bunch more. So yeah, but yeah. So they are going to have fans through the rest of the year for sure. They said though. Uh, but you know, even, even that part aside, I, I, still you know the the fog is just it's such a hard place it's been such a nightmare for us um we've had it's hard for me to to say that i i confidently think west virginia can go into the fog and win just because it's been one of that those places for us uh but what i will say is i think if west virginia can shoot the ball we can win the game um you know if we can shoot the ball like we did against you know against Richmond and not have an eight minute drought with one field goal. Cause we're not going to beat Kansas. If we do that, right. You're just not going to beat Kansas. No way. Not scoring for eight minutes. It's just not happening. So I think if we can do that, we can win. I think we can beat any team in the country. If we can hit some three pointers, cause what, what needs to happen is you need to have a Deuce McBride. You need to have Mc, Sean McNeil and you need to have, you know, Taz or, or Emmett put the fear into Kansas so that they just can't pack it in low and block and, and just keep us from, you know, scoring. So, right. I, I think that's the key. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm hesitant to pick West Virginia. I want to pick West Virginia for obvious reasons, but man, just going into the folk has been such a, it's, it's, I think it's the only place we have not won at in the big 12. Um, it's, it's the white whale at this point. So I, I think you guys aren't the only ones I'm trying to remember. I believe there's still three teams in the big 12 who have never won in Allen field house, which, um, is kind of crazy. Like <laughs> to think of how long some of those, those, some of those have been going. Um, I, I just, I don't remember who they are. I believe, I believe, or I'm trying to remember if Baylor has won, but anyway, um, yeah, it's one of those things like Kansas is very, very formidable at home and usually plays really well on the road, too. And so the problem that I that I do know is that Kansas has some issues, especially when they think that they're, you know, set, that they can kind of let things down. I haven't really seen that that much from this team this year. They've really kind of stepped up and gotten ugly wins in every single one of them. But Kansas has been gotten, you know, people have gotten Kansas at home in past years, and then they come back and blow them out on the road just because of, you know, just kind of the way that things are set up. Um, you know, it's definitely, it was, was an encouraging sign to, for them to go to Texas tech and win there. 
especially considering what happened the last couple of years when they went down to Lubbock. Um, but you know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, I think, to see how well they're going to hold up that home court advantage, especially since there's not the same advantage this year. Um, you know, because there's not going to be nearly as many fans, it's not going to be that overwhelming experience, especially early. Um, but you're right. I agree. This is going to be a very tough game. It's going to be a very ugly game. Um, as I think most Kansas games are going to be this year, but I, I have a hard time as well picking against Kansas in this particular game. Um, I still think that there's a very good chance that West Virginia is going to get one of them this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if this, if, if it's this one, but if I have to actually pick it, I would say that Kansas is probably going to win this one. I don't know about a score yet. I'll have an, uh, a prediction up on our article over on rock talk talk for you guys that are listening, but um, all right. So rather than talk anymore about the game, cause I don't know that there's very many more insights that we can actually give people. I want to get your thoughts about the big 12 as a whole this year, because it is a completely stacked conference. You know, I'm looking again at the Ken Palm page. Uh, the last time I looked, it was five teams in the top nine in Ken Palm. Um, I'm actually refreshing it right now. So we can take a look. It is now still five teams in the top 10. So Baylor's at one. Uh, Texas is at six, West Virginia is at seven, Kansas is at eight, and Texas Tech is at 10. So, you know, you can talk about how there's a lot of people that say that the Big Ten is the best conference this year, um, just because they have a whole bunch of teams and a lot of them are up in kind of the top 30 or 40. Um, But I don't think that you can say that any of them are as top heavy or as good, you know, in that entire top half as the Big 12 this year, which means it's going to be an absolutely fantastic race. My question for you is, which of the five teams that I just mentioned do you think is the least likely to actually win the Big 12 title this year? Texas. I don't even have to hesitate. Because uh, <laughs> I think everybody uh, has said that so far that I've actually asked this question to. And well, it like, usually comes down to Shaka. I think it's Shaka. I think Shaka is – I've been – anyone who has read The Smoking Musket over the last several years knows that I – find Chaka and Texas wildly overrated. Uh, in fact, as we speak, Texas is, is in a battle for its life with Oklahoma State, um, which no 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 shame there. I mean, Oklahoma State's really good. I just think that at the end of the day, the coaching experience, the team that they are, and the fact that that team does not have the experience of success that Kansas has, that West Virginia has, that Baylor has that frankly Texas Tech now has like those four teams have been there they have either won a conference title they have a coach that has won a conference title whether it's in the Big 12 or something else yeah Shaka has been there was there at VCU but it has been a while and I I'm just not sold on Texas um yeah it's funny because of those five teams I like I think of those five coaches Shaka is the worst coach and it's not even particularly close i think it's a combination of a lot of you know seniority and a lot of like a long tenure for everybody except for chris beard and chris beard just having such a monumental start to his career you know in 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 the power five there and so it's a combination uh like i think texas has the most returning talent of anyone especially if you look at the top end the question always has been with texas is can they get their talent together and put it together to make a run at it. I still think, and I would I mean, say, keep it together. Like, yes, yes, that has that been the consistency part. has really been the the thing with Texas is because they will come out one night like they played 
excellent against UNC. They played excellent. You know, they have not had, I guess what I would say is, they have not had, the, the one thing I will say about Texas this year, they have not had that one really head-shaking, embarrassing loss yet. And so maybe they have turned things around this year. But to your point, I mean, to say Texas, to say Shaka Smart is the worst of those five coaches, is it really talking about two <laughs> Hall of Famers, right? <laughs> and two other coaches that, if their career trajectories continue, will almost certainly be in the Hall of Fame. You know, right, so right, you're talking exactly. about real coaching royalty there. So, which is, I think that's that's one of the reasons why the Big Twelve is, in my mind, the best conference in the country. Um, more so than even the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten has what sixteen teams, so it's it's going to have a lot of teams in the top twenty-five. But uh, I think top to bottom, I don't think there is a conference with more really really great coaches. I mean, every team except for Oklahoma State ha- and Oklahoma State and Iowa State. So of the eight teams, you've got uh, eight of ten guys who have been to a Final Four. You know, what yeah, other what other conference can say that? <laughs> okay, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. All right, so final question for you. Um, I am I am on record as saying that I think that those five teams are all going to finish like within a game or maybe two of each other in the in the conference standings. And I wouldn't be surprised if we have a throwaway tie at the top of the conference. Who do you think is actually going to win the conference this year? We got about fifteen seconds left, so so make it quick. <laughs> Uh, Kansas, because uh, death taxes and Kansas basketball. I will never bet against Kansas to win the Big 12 title. Who do you think <laughs> that they share it with? Because I don't think that anybody gets it alone. This Probably year. West Virginia and Baylor. I would, I would think that that if we're if it's going to be a three way tie, it's going to be West Virginia and Baylor. I think Baylor is going to be right up there at the end. I would um, not be shocked. All right, Andy, real that, quick, where can the people find your work online? You can find me at Twitter at StatsBoyAndy or at the Smoking Musket. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for joining me today, Andy. Yep. And that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe to the podcast and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can leave us a rating and a review as well, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, if you want to try to interview anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast@gmail.com or on twitter at rockchalkpod you can also get your voice on the show do that by going to anchor.fm slash rock chalk podcast slash message leave us a voicemail i promise we'll get it on the show for you but that's gonna do it for us tonight thanks again for listening guys and we will catch you next time on the rock chalk podcast Network.